0: Hello, welcome back. This is The New Deal, the place where we talk to the alumni of FSU's College of Motion Picture Arts in order to share their brilliant filmmaking wisdom. I'm Nikki Lee. And I'm Rin Ostman.
1: This is the final part of our Trifecta Maiden Voyage episode featuring filmmakers who graduated a year ago and now live in New York,
0: Atlanta, and Los Angeles. Shanton Williams, our final guest in the series, currently lives in Los Angeles. He's a MFA writer from the class of 2017. He graduated and went on to intern at both Madhouse Entertainment and Circle of Confusion, where he now works as an assistant. Okay. Hi, Shanton. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Hey, guys. I'm glad to be here.
0: Thank you. We really and truly appreciate it.
1: Yes. Okay, so Shanton, this is our kind of iconic question that we ask everyone. Oh boy. It's fun. It's fun, I promise. It's not scary. What was the first short film that you ever made?
2: Um, the first short film I ever made was actually a stop-motion film. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it was stop-motion mixed with live action. So it was my sister and I doing various uh, magic tricks, but also... Um, making an objects come to life. Uh, And just kind of moving around, we had this um, digital blue. I I don't know if anyone else out there had it, but it's marketed as kind of an educational tool now. But back in the day, it used to be the toy um, (laughs) to have. So I got that, and it was my first camera. Uh, I was nine years old, and I just like discovered so many capabilities.
1: That's so inventive that you like started with mixing live action with stop motion.
2: Yeah, I had a chance a few years ago actually to rewatch it. It was quite some time ago. I probably should have put it on a disc. But yeah, that was that was how I did it at first. It was just me and my sister um, playing around.
0: And that's interesting. Do you feel like that transitioned into you falling in love with graphic design at all?
2: Um, I Well, let's see. I always kind of had an interest in the visual arts. Um, from a very young age, I was drawing constantly and always watching cartoons. And I think my love of art was kind of fostered by my parents, you know, like my mother especially. She always really encouraged me to um, draw as much as I could. And I think me just, I, I kept going, kept on with it, and eventually discovered Photoshop. I think my uncle gave me a copy because he wanted me to uh, <laughs> to make something with it for him, and I didn't know it. So I think that was when I was 13. Um, I ended up working as a graphic designer not too long ago, and that allowed me to afford film school.
0: (laughs) So then transitioning into film school, what made you choose Florida State? How did you get there?
2: I actually um, learned about Florida State when I was a sophomore in college. So I had a friend who had a friend who was in the BFA program, and he was just like, yeah, yeah, he's got great shorts and... um, he showed them to me and I was like, oh my God.
1: So you chose to be a writing student instead of a film production student. And I know that you really enjoyed the film production side of the program. What made you choose to be a screenwriting student?
2: I think quite simply, I thought I had more work in that respect that I could show people. Maybe I sold myself short. I'll never know. But I just wanted to um, get a foundational understanding that maybe I didn't have before.
0: Um, Had you considered production at all?
2: So, i yeah. it's funny. I get into my interview, and I'm talking to them, and they're looking at my resume. They're like, you know there was a film production program, right? <laughs> um, I, I'm really glad that I did the program, though. You know, I came away with it, not only with a better understanding of storytelling, but of myself.
0: Right. And I would even say from a production student standpoint that I don't feel like you guys know any less than we do and I feel like you are prepared and fully equipped with the right tools to come out to LA and just completely kill it and whatever path you decide to take whether that is writing or maybe even non-writing so I really don't feel like the writers are necessarily missing out on anything and you guys even do have this opportunity to take a trip out to LA in the spring of your second year which I'm sure is eye-opening and amazing do you mind kind of talking about that and how that maybe gave you a great sense of the city. What did you learn?
2: So uh, this summer before graduation, you start your LA intensive. And LA is about a week of going around. And hopefully uh, you and your classmates um, are like one who's really good at scheduling. Wink, wink, Megan uh, (laughs) has set up meetings. Uh, with alumni and you know, possible people on the outside of uh, our FSU network to um, just sit and chat, get coffee uh, and allow people to like, talk about themselves and share their stories with you. Also you, you go to events, you explore the city, you just really get a sense of it and what that's like for a writer. In a way it was kind of like you have mock uh, general meetings where, you know, somebody becomes familiar with your work and they kind of, like, give you feedback and, like, understanding, like, how you can move forward and what relationship you can forge from these interactions. And I think that's invaluable, really. We got to meet with managers and uh, agents. And what that allowed us to see was, like, really getting a sense of what it's like to speak with a rep because I think that's a uh, very, very interesting beast, (laughs) especially here. And I think it's really important for anyone in the creative field to understand your reps.
0: So, and having this opportunity to come to LA beforehand, how did that affect your decision making process in deciding where you wanted to relocate after graduation?
2: Well, um, I came into the program thinking that I would probably move north to New York. That had been where (laughs) my mind was set for a very long time, even before I got to Florida State. And eventually, I think I came out here I liked it, but I didn't love it. You know, I felt like there was a lot that I hadn't seen yet. Even, you know, with that week of driving around exploring, you know, it really takes living in a place to understand it. So I found the opportunities here. I got two internships at management and production companies and moved out here pretty much straight away. You know, I was just like, well... This is where the ball is rolling. Let's go make some opportunities. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> uh, And I never turned back, and it's almost been a year now. I've met so many people. I've had really great experiences, many adventures, uh, significant other, and I am better for it.
1: That's so interesting because you're from Atlanta originally. Did you ever consider moving back home since there's such a budding production industry?
2: You know, I think anyone from the Southeast probably considers it. But I think for my vocation and what I intend to do, what I hope to do, it's really important to kind of start out here. I I think most of the work comes from the west side, and it's really important to get your bearings and understand how the meat is made, and then take that understanding and apply it elsewhere. So who knows? I could probably move back to the southeast. I could probably move up north. But what I do know is that now I'm here, and I have to make the best of it.
1: Of course. Why do you think it is so important that you moved to L.A.?
2: Specifically as a writer, um, you have to know like how deals are made. You have to understand where uh, the work is coming from, whose office is uh, has an open writing assignment, and what voices are they looking for. I think Los Angeles is the place to be for uh, writers because... You know, you need to have your thumb on the pulse. You need to be having those conversations. And a phone call, you know, that'll get you somewhere, but it won't get you as close as a drink maybe or, or coffee. It's just, I think it's of the utmost importance to live in Los
0: Angeles. That's so true. It feels like out here, networking is just built upon the backbone of happy hour. <laughs> oh
2: my gosh, yes. <laughs> I think it's also good, especially for a young writer to maybe start as an assistant. I've done that. I work in uh, literary representation for a couple of t- uh, managers, and I-, I think that's been really informative. I get to listen in on phone calls and you know understand the ins and outs, things that I would never have considered in school. You know, I think. We do our work, and we write, and we produce, but when it comes to deal-making, the conversations with your lawyer, the uncomfortable conversations, okay. the you know, decisions that you have to make on the advice of your rep, who is somebody that you have to trust, you, know, I, you, you don't just know that, it's something you have to get when you come out here, you're only as strong as your network.
0: So then backtracking a little bit for those production students who aren't able to have the opportunity to come out here beforehand, what would you say is the best way for them to prepare and get ready for the move out here?
2: Well, for production students specifically, understand that it will be maybe a little difficult coming out straight away. I think leaning into your network is especially important. Having friends who you can stay with and support you. Like, at least for a week or so. <laughs> uh, but also try and find work as soon as possible. You know, I've I've got a roommate who just happened to be walking on the beach and happened upon a uh, on a production and asked about it. And, you know, it's amazing what can happen when you ask for what you want. Don't be afraid to ask. That's a lesson I've had to learn. But also make your own opportunities.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And kind of leaning in on your point about making your own opportunities – How did you make your own opportunities after graduation? Because while you have had these two amazing internship experiences, they weren't quite there for you yet upon graduation, right?
2: When I graduated, I was applying everywhere, basically.
0: So you had no plans. You were kind of like, I'm literally leaving Tallahassee.
2: I'm leaving Tallahassee, but I know I'm moving and I'd been applying to various production companies and management companies and then finally got interviews probably about a week after graduation. Then another week after that, I got, you know, acceptances and moved out.
0: And how was that process? Because that's pretty quick, right? Very
2: swift. Um, that was, well, uh, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't say I didn't have a plan. I, I knew I would be moving out west. I didn't know when but I knew it was happening soon.
1: So you get the call, the email, that you're accepted. What two internships were you accepted into?
2: I worked at Madhouse Entertainment and Circle of Confusion, where I work now. I think I was one of the last people to be interviewed, believe it or not. And so they kind of stick out in your mind. And they were just like, hey, so you you want to come out? And I was like, yeah, of course.
0: (laughs) And what was that transition like for you? Because it sounds like within a matter of days. You had to completely uproot your entire life and then move it out west. That had to be hectic, I'm sure.
2: It was exciting, but also quite stressful, especially, you know, you come out here and you have an internship and you're a student, quote unquote, (laughs) but you don't necessarily have a job which it seemed like a lot of people wanted you to have before you moved into their residence, (laughs) you know? So I was actually fortunate to have a friend who moved out of his apartment in Hollywood. I stayed in that apartment for a couple weeks while I looked for um, an actual place and worked and did my internships. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, like, couch surfed until about a month later. I finally found my place and moved in. But in the midst of all of that, I'm doing, like, you know, my internship duties and like trying to go above and beyond that. And I also eventually got linked up with a couple of television writers who I worked for as a personal assistant. And that was pretty cool.
1: You've kind of talked about the importance of networking already. How did you connect once you moved out to LA?
2: Listen, people, we are mobbed up. Believe it. That's probably the best part of our program is that we really want to help each other. And I felt all kinds of love before I even came out here.
0: What is your main way of connecting with alumni already out here? Is it through social media or is it through some sort of social setting like going out? I think
2: just going out, but don't go out as a shark. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't be like, hey, what is it that you do? Uh, how long have you been out here? Uh, who do you know? No, just like trying to understand that these are other people.
1: As someone who's known you for a while now, I would describe you as an extrovert. What advice would you give to introverts who are looking to network and maybe a little bit nervous about reaching out
2: It's important to understand that fear. I think I deal with that fear even if I am extroverted it's important to understand yourself and accepting that part of yourself and that being the first step to getting better you know mm-hmm. I, I I understand that anxiety and even still when I'm reaching out to those people, I have that anxiety but If you lean into it, you might be surprised. Go in with the uh, idea that this is a possible opportunity.
0: Yeah, don't go in with a resume. Go in with the hope for a bond and an opportunity for friendship, I think. Definitely. From my experience,
1: it seems like most people just want to know that you're authentic and not looking to use them
0: um, because it's so easy to find people who, who will use you out here. I just think that... Especially when you first move out here, you're so eager to latch on to any and every opportunity that comes your way, that you're willing to accept toxic people in work environments because you're so afraid of saying no and then missing out on this huge opportunity.
2: You're not alone. And if you meet people out here who are poison, cut that poison out of your life. Because when you meet somebody who's actually nice, who's actually kind, excuse me, nice is whatever, kind is the most important part. Hang on to them. Hang on to them for dear life, because while this is a very big city, it's also a very lonely city. And there are lonely people who don't know they're lonely yet. And I meet a lot of people who are suffering. You know, they're, they're not valuing the individual for who they are. They're valuing them for their proximity to something you know, that they perceive as worthwhile. It's like, I I work for this producer who also happens to curse at me or throw shit at me. But it's fine. You know, they just want me to be a good person. They just, they, they want me to be better. They want me to work harder. And people accept what they think they deserve and end up getting scarred in the process.
0: Yeah, I just think that's really important to know your boundaries, especially in the work environment and especially in this industry because you're just going to be constantly surrounded by so many people of all different personality types and while some of those people will be the nicest, most caring people you will ever meet, others are going to be just aggressively destructive and it's really important to know how to maneuver around those people because not only is it going to be taxing to you but i do think that you just naturally absorb the behaviors of the people that you closest surround yourself with
2: and i take note of it and it's really important for those other people to understand that the rest of us are taking note of it you know i don't care how powerful you perceive yourself to be Mm -hmm. i don't care how powerful you perceive your boss to be if you are a shit person you're a shit person I think if we're truly entering a different era in this town, in this environment, in this business, it's really important for other people to have, like, a zero-tolerance policy for bullshit.
1: I think this is an important thing to talk about because you're kind of describing something that a lot of people are worried about when they first move to L.A. When you encounter someone that kind of has a maybe toxic personality, what do you
0: do to kind of negotiate that? Yeah, and do you come across these personality types a lot?
2: I... Uh, unfortunately, and I'll be totally candid about this, in my sector of the industry specifically, I come across it every day. And I think what's important is, like you said, setting boundaries and letting people know whether it's... It, and you, you don't have to be aggressive uh, when you encounter aggression. I think there are different ways to allow someone to understand that you are not being kind there's a degree of self-respect that you have to maintain Mm -hmm. and just allowing people to understand like, "Mm -mm, no, Mm
0: -hmm. like I'm not going
2: to respond well to this.
0: I think what maybe holds people back is this fear that, oh, if I speak up, Mm -hmm. I will get fired or I will be looked upon negatively, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is my career. Do you, have you ever had that fear oh, or experience?
2: Absolutely. I definitely, and I still experience that fear. But what I do know is that if I don't say anything, if I allow it to keep going, people will assume a lot of what they can get away with. And I, this is going to sound so weird, but I would tell people, be weary of apologies. I think when you allow yourself to be overly contrite, You know, people know that they can get away with guilting you, even when you don't deserve the guilt. I think uh, there's this idea that assistants will take shit because they know that, you know, you can get hired or anyone can get hired for your job. I, I don't necessarily agree with that idea. I don't think it's true. Nobody wants to lose an assistant because when they lose an assistant, they lose time. So... A lot of people think, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. If you don't care about what you're doing in some degree, obviously you're going to get fired. But if you're doing your very best, if you're doing your damnedest and you communicate with the person and allow them to understand that, yes, I am trying and that I care about what you do and about what I'm doing here, they're not going to let you go.
1: Yeah. And I think... Probably being an intern helped prepare you for that and that ability, that maturity. What were your internships like? What were your responsibilities while you worked there?
2: Um, as an intern, you're kind of responsible for uh, like not only maintaining the office, but uh, doing script coverage, which is, you know, as some people may know, if you don't know, Script coverage is kind of like an elaborate book report for a script. So you're summarizing uh, the details of the script in like a page or less, and you're providing comments which um, managers or assistants can understand feedback for. So in addition to like studio coverage, I would say you're just kind of helping the assistants uh, function and Understanding what it's like for their day. Now, mind you, this is probably different than other companies, but I was at management and production companies because I really wanted to have a developmental internship. Because what a development internship allows you to do is understand what people are looking for and what works and doesn't work.
0: And was your role the same at both um, internships?
2: Yes, um, only I think at Circle I was allowed more opportunities to explore different avenues and work with like people on clients' presentations. I had a skill, as we mentioned earlier, I'm a graphic designer, and so that allowed me to work on certain like lookbooks, for example, or presentations for VR projects.
0: So then, what do you feel like you gained from these two experiences since both companies are so vastly different in size from each other, do you feel like you gained more of something in one versus the other in certain aspects?
2: Um, I think in social aspects, to be perfectly honest, Madhouse was much smaller and quieter. And I think there was just kind of a go, 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 like just doing the job mentality. Everyone is clearly there to work and everyone is there to work at Circle as well. But there's, it was a different culture. And Mm -hmm. that's what I'll say about
1: that. For individuals looking for an internship, how would you recommend that they research, you know, the company that they might be working for?
2: Glassdoor. Glassdoor.com. It's a great way to understand other people's experiences before that. It's kind of like my professor, but for companies. And I, I think it's just a good way to look into these places and really get an understanding. You know, it's not always going to be right, but you'll never know until the interview. And ask as many questions as possible, you know, because you may not understand what you like, but there are definitely things that you do understand about yourself. So take that understanding and apply it to these situations. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in production and you're looking toward an office experience, you know, maybe you like really enjoy being on set and maybe, you know, sitting inside and reading scripts all day isn't like your favorite thing. So just ask You know, ask towards your needs and wants, because if they aren't paying you, you want to make sure that that time is absolutely worth it.
0: I think what you're trying to hint at is something that is really important to note on, especially for those who are fresh to L.A., and that is that if there is something that you want to get out of an opportunity or a position that you are in, whether that's maybe learning about something specific or growing in or towards another position Um, It's really important that you let those around you and those above you know. You can't assume that they're automatically going to know and open these doors for you. You have to speak up and you have to kind of take charge of your opportunity in that way.
2: You're your strongest advocate and um, never forget it because everyone else will.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So, how did your internship then morph into a position of employment?
2: So, I, I did the internship and I worked about two days a week for about 10 or 12 weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I hung out with assistants outside of it and I guess I developed a reputation that I hadn't expected. I w- went down to uh, see everyone and eventually, like, I learned, oh, well, hey, there's some uh, seat shifting, so we mm-hmm. might call you in for an interview. And I said, okay. I come back after break and about a month later, you know, I'd taken interviews elsewhere and then Mm -hmm. about a month later, I'd been asked to uh, come and interview.
0: And this is while you're interning, correct?
2: No, this is after I'd finished interning. So I was looking for like solid work. I was still working with the two television writers and Mm -hmm. I was given an opportunity to interview with Circle and Mm -hmm. not two days later, (laughs) I was was employed as a uh, office assistant floater. And you know, in that respect, you kind of help everyone. You're the assistant who's on standby to fill in when somebody's out. But I was also an intern coordinator. and I helped do social media and just make, maintain the office. And then um, from there, I worked for about four or five months, and a desk opened up. so I took the opportunity to interview, and here I am. Uh, it's been really cool. I mean, the transition was stressful, obviously. You're getting to know 60-plus uh, clients right. and two bosses with very different working styles. And mm-hmm. um, you're having to convert and like pivot and move yourself. And I, I like to describe it as being thrown into the water and learning to grow gills.
0: How long would you say that transition is? Oh, about a,
2: a month. And it's still happening. You know, the advice that I kept getting given was that you will not feel totally in control until maybe two months in. And I believe it to be true.
1: Do you find that the people in your workplace are willing to help guide you in that transition?
2: Absolutely. I think I, you know, I ended up getting trained by one of their old assistants. But um, you get a lot of opportunity to have a one-on-one with your boss and like really understand like, oh, this is what they want from you.
0: So what do you feel like your responsibilities include specifically in this position?
2: As an assistant, I'm scheduling meetings and calls. I'm also uh, managing, well, scheduling meetings and calls for my bosses and my bosses' clients. I'm also reading material and kind of giving feedback. And it's like an extension of my experience as an intern, but you have a proximity to the clients. Um, getting to know them Getting to know what they need, making submissions of their material to different production companies or executives, and trying to broker meetings—that's really what it's about. It's trying to get your clients into the room with the people who move and shake mm-hmm. this industry. So, um, yeah, that's—I would say—that's like my primary responsibility.
1: Is that to say that you feel like this job is helping you move forward in your career and your aspirations?
2: Yes, I would. Absolutely. And um, as a business person in this industry.
0: What do you feel like has been your biggest challenge as an assistant?
2: Definitely speed. I think because I have two bosses, I have to be very quick. And a lot of them have requests that they want done very quickly. And also being able to distinguish like the degree of importance of one respect and another.
0: So you have a very demanding job. Monday through Friday. How do you balance your social life with your work life? I
2: don't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I um. Oh, they want to see. No, no. I I'm I'm learning and I'm getting a lot better at it. But um, unfortunately, because the job has taken so much time to adjust, I've I've neglected certain certain obligations that I made for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. So whether that's writing every day or you know, going to meetings for the writers group that I started. (laughs) And and just, like, being attentive, um, I think, even to my own loved ones, you know, calling it. Gosh, I have to be better at it, and Mm -hmm. I know this. But I've admitted that I'm not doing it terribly well. Mm -hmm. So that's what I have to do. It's just accept it and try and be better.
1: What advice would you give to... People such as yourself a year ago, um, people just moving out and looking to start.
2: Practice, practice, practice that balance because mm-hmm. chances are you might think you don't have stuff going on, but you know. Well, hopefully you do. I'm someone who puts a lot on his plate, yes. <laughs> whether he knows it or not. Um, you know, and I have to figure out the timing of it.
0: So, kind of focusing back now on more LA-based questions you're in the mindset of moving out here. How did you figure out where it was that you were going to live within this vast city?
2: I had my mind on the valley, oddly enough, and the east side. So I I knew what I liked when I came out of here. Mm-hmm. So I took a look at those places. I really like the east side a lot. I met some cool people on the east side. And, um, that's kind of where I made my markers. I had other ideas of places where I could go, but affordability, obviously, is a question that you have to ask yourself.
0: What is it about North Hollywood that you like so much?
2: Well, having lived there now, <laughs> you know, I, there are things that I like about it, mostly the fact that I can afford where I live. Uh, <laughs> that's probably the biggest one, but I think I live in the arts district, and that's kind of cool. I I like to... Uh, go to the eateries I like to go to the cinema that's right around the corner from where I live and you know I can I can meet people I can go to my favorite cafe right there
0: yeah do you see yourself staying in North Hollywood or are you considering going elsewhere
2: considering eventually I think right now I'm comfortable not too comfortable uh, <laughs> Highland Park's pretty nice <laughs> oh hey oh hey <laughs> uh Echo Park uh, Silver Lake mm-hmm. oh, there, those are some great places let's feel us I, you know, I'm just remembering now, I actually looked at the west side, like, in Culver City, because I knew the proximity to, like, the places I was looking, which were in Culver City and Beverly Hills. And that didn't work out, but I ended up in the Valley. <laughs> you know, and so I have a longer commute because of it. But a lot of decisions, especially for people coming out here, like, depending on what you want to do, who you want to work with, pick your grounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, if you're into animation probably good to live in like Eagle Rock or uh, Burbank or Glendale if you want to work in representation the glitzy side uh, maybe you live like on the east side or like if you can swing it go on the West Side.
0: so you're in the process of moving out here you're couch surfing as you're searching for a place that you can hopefully call home what was that process like for you of finding somewhere to lease because I know that can be pretty difficult
2: yeah um I was on Zillow a lot, lived on Zillow. Uh, Westside Rentals was something that was recommended to me. And, you know, you pay pay for it a little bit, and that's helpful. But just getting on the phone with people. I I had, like, an Excel spreadsheet of, like, places that I called, places that I was going to call, you know, what the interactions was like. Did I go see that place? And um, did I get an application? Was the application filled out? Did I submit it? When did I submit it? Things like that. You know, I had some people balk at me and my roommates when we told them, yeah, we're in film. You know, which is, it was almost like we were ashamed. It was like, yeah, uh, because as soon as they find that out, it's like, okay. And then yeah. you never hear back from them again. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. How do you go about budgeting and researching what are the best locations and price so that you can budget for living in L.A.?
2: Everyone, everyone listen to me. Don't budget for what you can afford. Budget for what you will need to afford. Say you want to only spend 800 God bless you if you can find that within a certain part of the city. Say you only want to spend 800 Appreciate that you might have to spend upwards of uh, 1300 Budget for that. That's what you budget for. Understand that this is how much gas is going to cost each month. Understand that this is how much cable or internet will cost. Factor in all of those things and like ask your friends. You know, but like, look at statistics on the internet. That's how you budget yourself because a lot of people will come out here and they'll find themselves in situations where, like, they can't find that $800 apartment because of it. Understand that it's already gonna be hard enough coming out here. I I don't romance the struggle. I don't romance, like, oh God, I was living on, like, uh, you know, struggle cheese for five months, six months, Uh, you know, making ham sandwiches because I wanted to be out here and it's like yeah yeah you want to be out here but like you know do what you need to do financially whether that's like taking out a loan before you can uh, start working do what you need to do and appreciate that it will take some time I really hope that's encouraging (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just
0: of realistic
2: yeah like don't be unrealistic and don't throw yourself into something because you are panicking about time and how long it will take
1: so you've been in LA for a year What do you like about the city?
2: What do I like about the city is that you are kind of in a mini country (laughs) in and of itself and there is really, really so much to do. I would say it's an adjustment for people, especially undergrads who are coming from small college towns and maybe you haven't traveled a lot. Uh, You're going to discover that there is so much for you to do and a lot of people can end up staying in the city, but really just remember that you can get out, that you can go. Explore Uh, Los Angeles and its many pleasures as much as possible but also go out. I go camping. I go hiking. I just live in nature. Be good to your soul. And if you decide that nature isn't necessarily good for your soul, maybe the ocean is. Maybe the desert is. Just find out that thing that is good for you and, you know, take stock of it. Don't sacrifice yourself just because you've come to a new place.
0: Hmm. California just has so much to offer with such a small drive time. It's actually pretty impressive when you think about it. Um, so, with that, what do you not like about the city?
2: It's a city full of people, but you know, you can. I think it's easy for people to be alone in here. I would say I dislike that not everyone is thinking in that direction about other people. You know, other people might say driving. <laughs> other people might say, yeah, it's a it's a city full of people, and we don't have a transit system that is utilized by everyone. It's a driving city.
0: Um, do you have any advice for those looking to move to L.A. in terms of what to expect and also what to prepare for? If
2: you have any doubt in your mind, like any at all, do not come. Don't. I mean, you know, like do what's best for you. That's not to discourage people from coming, but... Just knowing yourself is like the most important thing. And if you don't think that's something for you, don't do it. But in terms of preparing yourself to come out of here, be prepared to um, work hard and be prepared to meet a lot of people. That's a journey. It's a journey.
1: Absolutely. What do you feel like film school prepared you for in this year of a life in L.A. and in the industry?
2: I would say it prepared me to be able to showcase myself, um, showcase other people, and to work with others and collaborate and understand what it takes to, to do those things. I think being able to pitch yourself, not only as a creative, but as a person, is like hugely important. You are your name. I think it prepared me to be a conscientious person I mean, I'd like to think I was one before, but like mm-hmm. I am a conscientious person in the entertainment industry. There's an awareness, I think, that film school prepares you for. And I think FSU prepare, prepares us all to be like hella professional, <laughs> which is really funny. I'm saying hella professional. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it makes a difference, you know. Um, we are. We, we come out here pretty strong.
0: You've always had this interest in production, as we've kind of mentioned before. Do you feel like it is something that you can transition into if you wanted to kind of go into more of a production aspect of this industry? And also, do you think it is possible for production students coming out here to transition into a more writing sphere if they wanted to?
2: People are going to appreciate the work that you did, not your degree, because... You know, they, they won't know the difference. What they know is what they need. And if you have, you know, despite your curriculum, provided yourself with, or equipped yourself rather with the tools to be helpful in some capacity, that's what you have. You know, you're, you're going to be helpful uh, to them in a production setting. Do I think I would be equipped to transition? I think, I, I think so, to some degree. I think that's just what you know. I've allowed myself to do by being versatile, by uh, asking as many questions, trying to be on set as much as possible.
0: What do you wish film school had prepared you for?
2: Um, and This is something I've spoken to certain people about. I don't wish it. I just appreciate that it didn't prepare me to work in an office, necessarily. I've worked in an office before, but in a different capacity. But I think working in an office in Hollywood is like different. There's an etiquette that you know, especially with like calls and things like that, that I somehow didn't have, you know? (laughs) Um, But I wouldn't say, oh God, I wish they taught me how to do that in school. No, it's just something that you learn eventually.
1: So it's been a year. How do you feel?
2: I feel installed. I feel like I have a place here and I think that I have something to give to anyone who's coming out here. I want to be helpful, understand that I'm, firmly a part of that network and that I'm here to help
0: what's next for you in this upcoming year
2: well in this upcoming year uh, I'm doing my assistant thing but also hopefully transitioning into a writing capacity I'm hoping also to have a short in production um, mm-hmm. with yours truly okay. I hope to uh, have opportunity to transition into uh, network or cable like in that space and um, yeah'm I'm, i I'm happy
0: that's what I would say That's just so important to hear, I think. Well, I can't wait to see what 2019 holds in store for you and all of the amazing things that you're going to achieve, not only in this next year, but also in your life. You have a long and prosperous career ahead of you. I can feel it. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time
1: out of your day, Shanton. It is always a pleasure.
0: We hope this gave you some insight into the lives of recent grads as they explore their new habitats. Thank you so much for listening
1: to this trilogy-esque first episode of The New Deal. If you see Lucas, Jared, or Shanton, please give them a high five for sharing their time with us. We have some fun things planned for our upcoming episodes, so
0: keep an eye out for a new one next month. In case we don't see you until then, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.
1: This episode of The New Deal was produced by us... Nikki Lee, and Katherine Ostman. Special thanks to Andrew Wingert, Brenda Mills, and Dean Braddock. Stay tuned for the dance
0: party commencing in 3, 2, 1.